And I want us to go right into the word of the Lord this evening. I started on lesson nine last week, and uh, I can I can do one of two things. I can I can take our time and expound upon the things that that are in this lesson because this lesson is chock full, and we may or may not get through it tonight, uh, or I can uh, I can just hurry through and hit the high points and we can move on. But I really prefer because there's some awesome things in the in the remainder of this lesson last week we talked about the sermon on the mount and uh, from light to uh, from darkness to light and how God changed from the old covenant to the new covenant and what he expects out of us uh, if you haven't read Matthew 5 6 and 7 you owe that to yourself to go and study the word of the Lord in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. To me, it is probably one of the greatest teachings, if not the greatest teaching of Jesus in his earthly ministry. And uh, I believe it. I believe it is life-altering if you take that for what it's really, really worth. So I ask you to do that. If you haven't done it, please do so. Tonight, we're going to talk about some other things. And, and there's so much to cover I could take any one of these charts tonight and, and teach the full hour upon it. Now, I'm not going to do that, but I, I could because there's so many things that we need to look at. We are now in the epistles and we're talking about living for God and how to be a victorious Christian. I believe God wants everybody here to have victory in their life. Amen. I don't believe anybody ought to be a failure when it comes to living for God. I think he has supplied us with what we need to become a victorious Christian. Now, don't get me wrong. Every day is a battle. Could I get a witness? Every day is a battle. There is no easy days. Uh, there is no life of, of just all good times. Let me put it that way. What we are, what we are doing tonight, helps supply us and arm us for the things we'll face tomorrow. The, the reason church is so important to us. Let me, let me just pause here for a minute. And, you know, a lot of people don't put a value on Bible study and a value on church attendance. Let me tell you what church attendance does. You may read your Bible every day. You may pray every day. You may have victory in your life because of your personal relationship with God, but there is nothing like coming into the body of Christ and pulling up a chair at the table of the king and feasting upon the bread that he has supplied for his people. Amen? That's why the Bible said, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know what that means? As we get to the end of time, don't let it be said that we had less church, that we quit coming to church, that we quit enjoying the house of God. Let it be said that we are a part of the body and we're here to feast at the table of the king. Somebody shout amen. That's not into the lesson today. That was free gratis. You can put in an extra $10 in the offering for that. Didn't cost you anything, but it, you know, it's worth it. Praise God. I, uh, I want to turn now to chart number three, lesson number nine, if you will, Brother Tommy. And uh, thank you for always taking good care of me. We're going to talk, first of all, tonight 
about provisions for conquering the army. God did not bring us out to leave us out. He brought us out to take us in. Does anybody believe that tonight? He didn't bring us out and leave us without armor. Uh, We've examined the covenant privileges last week and the responsibilities of living as a member of the kingdom of God. And, uh, but I want us to take a look tonight at how God armed us to conquer the enemy. How many of you know that living for God is truly a, a spiritual battle? It's a spiritual battle. Is there anybody here that ever said, I'm going to pray more? And all of a sudden, it, it, I mean, could I just say it in our own terminology? All hell broke loose. And you couldn't pray more. Uh, I just I just know that when we decide we're going to do better and we're going to do what's right, the devil starts doing everything within his power to stop what we're doing for the kingdom of God. Amen? So we, we have to learn the process and we have to learn what God has given us, the provisions for conquering the enemy. In the book of Acts, There are three key weapons that they used in the book of Acts. Number one, the word of God. Number two, the name of Jesus. And number three, the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. That's what the first church used to conquer the enemy. But the Lord did give us spiritual armor. And Paul described that in Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, you have your study sheets. I'll not take time to read Uh, all of that, well, maybe I do need to. Let's just turn, if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 6 right quick. I think it would be good for us to take time to to study that for just a few minutes because this is is important. Amen. It's hard to use two hands here. Six. Let's let's begin at verse ten. Here's what Paul said. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Put on the armor of God. Because you're in a you're in a war, whether you know it or not. And here's what Paul said. For We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Somebody here say, just stand. He said, stand therefore, this is what he said, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, 
which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I'll stop right there. But Paul said, God gave us some armor. He gave us some armor. And he intends for every one of us to put that armor on. Let me just take it a piece at a time, if I may, and and help you just a little bit. The helmet of salvation. You know what the helmet covers? Our head. Where's your mind? In your head. Where's your brain? In your head. Amen? Some people don't think with their brain, so... Uh, that may be debatable, I guess. But the, the helmet of salvation, it is, it is to guard our mind and to guard our brain and to guard the world from putting things in our mind that should not be there. We all need to wear the helmet of salvation every day. Let me tell you something. If the devil can get you thinking it, if the enemy can attack your mind, He can destroy you. Amen. That's why Paul said, let this mind which is in Christ be in you. you got to guard your mind. The Bible teaches us to guard our mind. Everybody said amen. You you know, I, I don't know if you understand this, but sin doesn't start with just boom, it's here, do it. It starts right here between your ears. Temptation comes right here between your ears. It attacks your mind. Well, the preacher don't like me. Well, she's talking about me. Well, he don't like me. And, and, and my job is the people on my job. And, and, and first thing you know, the devil's dealing with your mind. He's dealing with your mind because if he can get in your mind, he can cause you to do activities and things that are not spiritual and not of God. That's why the Lord said, put on the helmet of salvation. Put something on your head and keep your head straight. Look at your neighbor and say, keep your head straight. Then he said, also we got to have the breastplate of righteousness. It protects the chest and the abdomen and back extending to the top of the thighs. It just covers all the vitals. When, When you put on a breastplate of righteousness, you're covering your heart. You're covering that which is right here. The devil wants to get to your heart. The enemy wants to take you out by taking you out with your heart. The Bible said in Isaiah 59 17, for he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head and he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with a zeal, with zeal as a cloak. That's what Isaiah said way back in the Old Testament. How much more, how much more do we need the breastplate to cover our vitals and to cover our heart? I don't want the devil to get my heart because the heart is desperately wicked above all things. I'm quoting scripture to you. Amen. It's deceitful and it's desperately wicked. So you got to guard your heart. Guard your heart. Put the righteousness of God over your heart. Then he said, you got to protect the thighs. You got to gird your loins with truth. It braces the body. It holds in. And and let me tell you, and and I don't want to be too specific here, but if you want to get right down to it, the girdle of truth 
it protects your productive organs. The Lord wants the church to be productive and the devil would like to take production out of the church. Amen. So that's what the girdle does. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. How well a fighter stands and and pursues the enemy or obeys the captain's command when he's got his feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Whether you're fighting the enemy or helping a discouraged or wounded brother or sister or releasing a captive from Satan's bondage, we depend upon the gospel of Jesus Christ to do that. And it's the gospel of peace. Amen. The shield of faith. Man, this is, this, this is vital to me. The shield of faith. I'm talking about armor, helmet of salvation. Now we go to the shield of faith. I want you to see this. The shield of faith. You know what a shield is. You, you hold that shield in your hand and you turn it whichever way the era is coming. The dart is coming. Whichever way the bullet is coming. You can turn that shield. How many of you know that from day to day, he attacks from the right, he attacks from the left, he attacks from every direction, and you got to constantly use the shield of faith. Are you with me? The shield of faith was movable. It was a wall to defend the soldier against the fiery darts, the Bible said. These arrows that were dipped in lead with a combustible substance in that day. While speeding through the air, the arrows caught fire and then set the wooden shield ablaze. If you're not careful, but the shield of faith, therefore the metal covering were attached and the shield to quench the, the fire. The Bible talked about the fiery darts of the wicked. The fiery darts. The devil wants to burn you up. And he wants to blow you up. The facts are that the shield of faith is what we need on a daily basis. It's been said that faith is comprised of three things. Facts to believe, commands to obey, and promises to enjoy. Just think about that. Faith is comprised of three things. You've got to have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. How many of you in this room believe that God's going to take care of you? You have to believe that the angels of the Lord encamp around about you. You have to believe that, that you're going to be successful. Amen. Many years ago, 1970s, 1975 to be exact, maybe 74 to be exact, I went to work for an insurance company. I, I sold insurance, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was just a, an accident policy. And, I mean, you had to just about fall out of an airplane with a broke leg and, and tied to an extension cord to get the money. I understand that. But it was a big deal. It was a moneymaker. And the fellow said, I want to take a little while off. I was evangelizing. He said, won't you just work for me for a couple of months? I'll tell you who it was. It was David Mann's father, Richard Mann. And I worked for Richard, and I went to work for Combined Insurance Company of America. Does anybody ever remember Combined Insurance Company? Look at there. We got, you probably still got that $9 policy. <laughs> Amen. Well, they sent me to school. And they didn't tell me what, Richard didn't tell me what I was going to go on. So I drove to Dallas, and I got in a hotel room, and, and uh, 
man, let me just tell you, it was school. It was it was it was tough school, and, and I had to learn the speech, you know, and I had to learn how to give the presentation. And but they they made us get up every morning and stand in front of the mirror, and we sang to ourselves, "I feel healthy, happy, and terrific." I mean, you went to bed at midnight. You're up at six in the morning. And you're singing, I feel healthy, happy, and terrific. You know why? They wanted you you to convince yourself that you were starting your day right. And it worked. I got it. I became the second salesman, uh, the second place salesman in the state of Louisiana. I made a lot of money. And then I quit, went back to preaching. I probably should have still been selling insurance. No, I'm picking but, but the facts are, our faith, it's, it's building. You know what the Bible said about David? What did David do when he was discouraged? Huh? You got it, Gage. He encouraged himself with the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. This is crazy to you. I know it is. But sometimes nobody's going to be around to encourage you. Sometimes the preacher's not going to be preaching. The choir's not going to be singing. You need to just grab yourself by your bootstraps and walk into the bathroom and look in the vanity and say, oh, boy, you're, you're going to make it. Because as a man, huh? as a man speaketh in his heart, what? So is he. It's faith. It's believing I can. It's believing God's going to take me through that. I just believe God wants us to have faith and that faith will shield us from the attacks of the enemy. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by not the morning newspaper, not Fox News, not CNN, not MSNBC. That's not, my God, you don't get faith anywhere in that stuff. If you want to get depressed, just go watch the news. But faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Oh, I'm going somewhere. You better watch out here. How can they hear? Somebody quote it for me. Without a preacher. And how can he preach unless he be sent? You need and I need God-called preachers to preach the word of God and instill faith in the heart. And when we walk out of this church, we ought to have faith that we can conquer our enemy. Hallelujah. See, I'm going to take my time here because I, and I, 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 I'm going to just say it. You don't need a TV preacher. You don't need a radio preacher. You don't need a preacher you don't know. The Bible said, know them that labor among you, and you shall know them by their fruit. I've heard of people, well, I'm going to send my money. I, 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 I mean, I'm, my mind's whirling right now. I'm thinking about people that have told me. One lady told me not long ago, she said, well, I'm just going to send money to, to brother so-and-so. I said, do you know him? Well, well, no, I've never met him, but he seems like a good man. Well, yeah. I know he seems like a good man. Did you hear about the one in Dallas that was taking all the money in the mail? And when they looked in the dumpster, all the envelopes and all the letters were in the dump, but the checks were gone. I'm talking about 
hundreds of thousands of dollars. He don't care about you. See, some of y'all never heard me preach like this. But you don't need to be supporting a TV evangelist. You need to be supporting your church. You don't need to be sending your money to people you don't know. You don't need to be listening to people you don't know. Oh, it's okay to listen. I listen to some of them, but I'm, I'm talking about listen as in real listening because you can listen, but, but sometimes you don't have to listen. Do you understand where I'm coming from? It's kind of like your kids. They listen, but they don't listen. Amen? That's why the Bible said, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. We all got ears, you know. I mean, you side of your head, you got an ear. That don't mean you're hearing everything I'm saying. So the facts are you get faith by hearing, and that's why church is important, and hearing by the word of the Lord, and you need a God-called preacher to help you. And that's what the Lord does. He, he gives us breastplate, helmet, uh, loins girded with true shield of faith, feet shod with the gospel of peace. But watch this, the sword of the Spirit. You know what the sword of the Spirit is? It's the word of God. Let me tell you what God fought or Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry. Let me tell you what he fought the devil with. He didn't fight the devil with miracles. He didn't fight the devil with, have you seen my disciples and my apostles? Or have, have you seen the work? He didn't fight him with that. He said, it is written. This will get you through. This is the sword of the spirit. And when the devil comes lying and he's coming to lie because he's the father of every lie and the truth is not in him, when he comes to lie to you, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is the bottom line. This is our roadmap, but it's also a sword. I'll tell you what, the Bible said that it is a two-edged sword and it will cut to the bone and the marrow. And sometimes you're not supposed to leave church just feeling hunky-dory. You're supposed to leave with conviction because the Bible gets down where we live and the Word of God gets deep into us and we realize, hey, I'm not doing what I need to do. You know what? You can, boy, I, I, I'm not going to get to the part of this lesson that I really need to get to tonight, but I'm going to teach it next Wednesday, and don't you miss, and you, I'm, 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 I'm that close to calling every young person out here next week, because I'm going to be talking about some things that this whole church desperately needs, and especially, especially people who haven't been around a long time. You need to hear this, but, but the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So, the sources of strength, you notice, you notice here, the sources of strength on your right-hand side. Everybody say prayer. Prayer. We've talked about prayer. I was, uh, I, I came in the other night to uh, Foolproof Man, and, and we have prayer at 6.30 from 6.37. I was just a couple minutes late. But when I walked in, my friend, Brother Robert Guest, was sitting on the pew praying. He didn't know I walked in. But I just listened to him for a minute. And if you, if you come and you listen and you hear Brother Robert, Brother Robert's a prayer warrior. He, he, he can't be here on evening services because he can't drive himself home after, after dark. Can't see, and we don't want him to have a wreck. He's watching tonight. I love you, Brother Robert. 
But I was listening to him pray. And you know what he was doing? He was just talking to God like I'm talking to you. It wasn't, it wasn't anything anybody couldn't do, Brother Eric. Prayer is just communicating with God. When people say, how do you pray? Well, the Lord gave us a great example of prayer, and I could teach on that for an hour tonight. But here's, here's the bottom line. You have to talk to God like he's your best friend. When I knelt this morning in prayer, I, I, I don't often, I, I, I'm not heaping any glory on me. I don't want you to think that. But I, my time to pray is when everybody leaves the house and, and I'm there by myself. And, and I knelt down at my big old recliner and, and uh, this is what I said to the Lord. I, you can believe this or not. I said, Lord, it's me again. That's just what I said to him because he knows me. He said, my sheep know my voice. And he said, the Bible said, he knoweth them that are his. And I said, Lord, it's me again. I want to talk to you today. And I talked to the Lord just like I'm talking to you. See, you don't have to be screaming and hollering. And there's sometimes we get to pray and pray in the spirit. And we pray hard and we pray fast. There's sometimes we don't pray fast. Prayer is not predicated on how high you, your voice gets or how low your voice gets. or it, It's not predicated. It's just communication with God. Let me tell you what it will do. It will become your source of strength. In your, in your sheep tonight, you have, you have many scriptures or several scriptures there teaching you about prayer. The Bible said in John 9, 31, If any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. God hears us. If you're a worshiper of God and you're doing his will, the Bible said, him he heareth. God hears us when we pray. You believe that? He hears us. John 5, 14 said, If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. I love the scripture that said, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, ask what you will and it shall be given unto you. Prayer is simply communicating with God what you need. Lord, I need strength. He'll give you strength. Lord, I, I, I need anointing in my life. I, I, I need direction in my life. I need you to speak to my life. I need to hear your voice today. Look, when you get down to pray, determine that you're going to listen for what God is saying because that's spiritual strength. That's where you get it. You, I want to tell you, you look this preacher in the eye. I wish I could look every eye right in the eye when I say this. Nobody in this building is going to be saved without prayer. Not one person. And if you, if you can't pray... You better learn how because prayer is important. Amen? Here's the second source of strength. I'm not going to get very far tonight. Fasting. Everybody loves to fast. Raise your hand. That's what I thought. <laughs> we talked about this in our foolproof man the other night, Brother Jay. Uh, let me tell you about fasting. It ain't fun but it's necessary. 
we talked about how a man could overcome things in his life. You break down the carnal man, the carnal man. Now, as you can look at all of us and tell, or most of us and tell, I can't answer for you, I can answer for me. I hadn't done enough of it. But fasting is important. Fasting is when you, you push the flesh away from the table. And, and let, let me tell you, there's a few things in this world I like to do, and one of them is eat. I do. Don't bring me broccoli. I was. I, I went to the doctor this morning. He, did I tell, y'all gonna laugh? I had to go get a little checkup because I, y'all put me on high blood pressure medicine. <laughs> and I had to go get a little checkup. And my doctor always does this. He's a great guy, and we love him to death. But he looked at my chart and said, "Hmm." Mm. I said, "I know. I know." because I knew what was coming. And he reached over there, and he was going to pat my belly, and I pushed his hand off. And then he tried from the other angle, and I pushed him away again. I said, leave me alone, Doc. I know what you're saying. Now, he said, you you, 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 you got to quit eating. I said, I know. You gained X number of pounds. I said, I know. He said, you, you need to get you some broccoli and carrots and put it in a bag. And I looked at him. I said, Doc, do you know how bad I hate broccoli and carrots? Give me a Butterfinger. And we laughed. And he's always picking on me. But, 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 but that's what, you know, he was telling me the truth. But fasting is, is it's hard to do. You've got to deny yourself. You got to push the plate back. You can fast not only food, and here's what I believe. I believe that fasting in the Bible was was a food, and you know, in nowadays, and I'm not disqualifying this at all, but they've come up with this Daniel fast. And and you know what I found on the Daniel fast? I spent more time figuring out what I could eat than I did truly fast. Can we eat this? My wife and I, can we eat this? Can we eat this? I'd rather just push the plate back a few days and, and say, you know what? Here it is. But that's, that's everybody. That's each to his own. So fasting will give you spiritual strength. I could dwell on that a while. Bible study and scripture meditation. It's in, you, you have, you have uh, scriptures in your notes. The book of the law is important. The meditation upon the word of the Lord is important. I picked up my Bible the other day and our our scriptures started in Psalms chapter 1. And it said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, but but he dwelleth in the, uh, let me, I can't remember it. His delight is in the law of the Lord is where I want to go. And his law doth he meditate, meditate day and night. You get it in here, and you get it in here, and you dwell on it. I love it, Gage, because almost daily you are quoting Scripture, and I know you don't get that without studying that, and that's what makes you strong in the Lord. The Word of God will give you strength. I said the Word of, I want you to hear me, the Word of God will give you strength. I was going through a little trial here not long ago, and I looked at my wife, and I said, guess where I'm at? Right in the middle of Job. 
I felt like I felt like turning over and, and reading in the New Testament, but I didn't. I stayed with it because you know what? I read the last chapter of Job, and it said the latter end of Job was greater than the beginning because he kept his faith in God. That's why you read the word of the Lord because you understand that there's victory in Jesus Christ. Does anybody believe me on Wednesday night? There's victory in Jesus Christ. Amen, 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 amen. The Bible, let me, let, me, let, me, let me hurry. I want you to get the sources of strength. Prayer, fasting, Bible study. Let's turn to the next chart with the time. I'm going to spend the rest of my time right here. And uh, I don't have time to do it, but I am. But, uh, and, and then next Wednesday night, we're going to go Lesson 9 one more time. Three Wednesday nights, we're going to go Lesson 9. And I'll finish it next Wednesday night. But I can't get to all this tonight. Gifts of the Spirit. Everybody say gifts of the Spirit. The Lord. Go read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. Here's, here's the bottom line. When the Lord gives us the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he makes available to the church spiritual gifts. Now, now you, 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 got, you got to understand what these are. These are, if I could put it to you this way, these are power tools in the spirit. Okay? Did you ever hear about the old boy many years ago before uh, when they just in, invented the, the chainsaw? You know, before then they had the old crosscut saw. And, 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 and uh, the, guy, the guy went in the hardware store, and he was a logger, and the man said, have you seen our new saw? He said, no. He said, man, this thing will cut more wood than you have ever been able to cut. He said, well, let me see it. And so he pulled out this nice-looking chainsaw, and he handed it to him, and and he convinced him, talked him into buying it. And the guy took it, and that evening he showed back up with it. He was wringing wet with sweat. He was dirty all over. He said, man, get, I, I just need a cross-cut saw. This thing will not work for me. He said, what? He said, are you crazy? You, you think you can cut more with an old cross-cut saw than you can this, this saw? The man said, yes, sir. He said, I have worked myself to death today. And the guy reached down and he grabbed the cord and he pulled it and it went He said, what are you doing? I mean, he'd been sitting there sawing with that thing all day with no engine on. When you get the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Spirit, you get the engine and you get the power because there's gifts that can be used by spiritual people for spiritual things. And the Bible said to desire spiritual gifts. Amen. Let me let me let me get there right quick because I want to I, I, I don't want to lose you right here. Let me just tell you how it starts. Paul in his beginning of his teaching on the of the gifts of the spirit, he said, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. The old boy that bought the saw and never pulled the cord was ignorant. We don't want to be ignorant when it comes to the things of God. But it talks about the Christian desiring spiritual gifts. And so there's diversities of gifts, the Scripture said, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operation, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. Now, many times we use the gifts of the Spirit and we don't label them and we don't 
we don't realize sometimes as Christians what we've really done. Let me let me talk first of all about let's let's go to the uh, let's go to the revela- the inspiration gifts on the right. Let's talk about that. These are the speaking gifts. There's nine gifts of the Spirit. Okay, nine powerful gifts that God gives a Christian. I want you to understand something. When we talk about the gift of tongues, we are not talking about the tongues of the initial evidence of the Holy Ghost. I've said this many times, and I want you to understand it tonight. You cannot have any gifts of the Spirit until you are baptized with the Spirit. Does everybody understand that? These are written, this 1 Corinthians is written to the church at Corinth who had already been saved, and so they are getting instructions from Paul how to use the gifts that God gives a Christian. The initial evidence of the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts was speaking in tongues. We went through that for about two or three weeks here, it seemed like, but I'm not going back there, but these are not the same because people reach, they reach over and pluck what Paul said when he said, I'd rather that you prophesy than speak in tongues. Well, let me tell you why he said that. I want to go through these gifts right quick. Diverse kinds of tongues, okay? That's speaking in tongues. You know what the Bible said about tongues? It's a sign to the unbeliever. And it's a sign unto you when you pray in tongues. It's for the edification of that one that is speaking in tongues. The gift of tongues is a supernatural utterance by the Holy Ghost in a language not understood or ever learned by the speaker and rarely understood by the hearer. The gift of the interpretation of tongues is a supernatural explanation by the Spirit of the meaning of the utterance of tongues. It's not tongues and translation, it's tongues and interpretation. So it is, if you, if you have the gift of tongues, and we've often seen the gift of tongues operate in the church. Somebody stand up and give a message in tongues. The Bible said that one that gives that gift needs to pray that they might interpret. And the Bible also instructs us in these chapters that if you give a a, a tongue and there is no interpreter, it needs to be silent. This is why Paul said the third gift there is prophecy. I would rather that you prophesy because men understand prophecy. Prophecy is the foretelling of things to come. It's the word of the Lord in a supernatural sense, speaking of things that are going to come. Amen? So, so the gift of tongues is a very powerful gift. Uh, I, I, I assume, and maybe or maybe not, but probably everybody in this church has seen the gift of tongues operate. Where somebody, here's, boy, there's, there's, there's an hour right here that I, I can't stuff in here. This is why I'm struggling with this whole lesson nine. It's got so much good stuff in it. But when the Holy Ghost is in a church and the power of God's moving, I've seen and I've been here when suddenly there was a holy hush 
and the, the anointing would leave this pulpit and go to somebody in the church and they would speak in a heavenly language and the church would, would become a holy hush. You know what I'm talking about. And then all of a sudden somebody else or maybe that person would begin to give an interpretation of tongues and give us a message that comes from God. That is a supernatural gift. Matter of fact, tongues is a supernatural gift. Interpretation of tongues is a supernatural gift. Now, look, I've seen all kind of stuff. I've been in Pentecost a long time, I, I, and I've heard all kind of stories. I heard a story not long ago about, uh, you know, they're, 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 if, if somebody in the church thinks they own the gift of tongues, they probably don't need to listen to them. And I heard a story, and, and whether it's all true or not, I don't know, where somebody stood on one side of the church and, and, and gave a message, and somebody stood on the other side of the church and said, Yea, I say unto thee, what she said is not true. That wasn't God. Let me just tell you, that wasn't God. Look at me. God is not the author of confusion. Amen? If things like that happen, just mark it down in your little book. That wasn't God. You will know when the power of the Spirit speaks. And you will know by the interpretation whether it's of God. And you will understand it. And God will make it plain and simple. I've been, I've been in many places and seen a lot of stuff. And uh, I've seen people abuse the gifts of the Spirit. But but. It doesn't make me not believe because of the nine gifts of the Spirit, the gift of tongues alone is specifically in, intended to bless and move in the church like no other because it is supernatural. I have been in places where tongues were given and somebody there would understand them from another language. Seen it happen. Been there. My dad used to tell about baptizing a little Puerto Rican lady, and I knew her well. But when he baptized her, she could not speak any English. But when she came out of the water, she was speaking perfect English. Just for a time, that was her tongues. It made a believer out of those that stood around. Amen? You see something like that, you'll start believing in God. You'll start believing in the power. But the, the interpretation of tongues is very powerful. The gifts of the Spirit. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Amen. It's a tongue not known to men and not, not, not known to yourself. It doesn't sound like me. It doesn't have to sound like anybody else. There's, there's, the Bible teaches us that we can pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in an unknown tongue. You need to do that. That uh, Kenneth Phillips had the greatest take on it that I've ever heard when he preached here years ago, uh, several years ago. Kenneth Phillips is a man that I was, was preaching when I was seven years old where I got the Holy Ghost. I brought him back in here a few years ago, and uh, he's, he's in his 80s now, but he, he was probably 10 years ago, and, and he was talking about 
having a prayer language and getting in the spirit. And you can't just speak in tongues when you want to. You speak in tongues as the spirit of God gives the utterance. But when you start praying and the Holy Ghost comes on you and you start speaking that utterance that God gives you, let me tell you what it does. The devil can't understand a word you're saying. You're in another realm. Amen? Everybody with me? Probably going to be some questions after this one, but it's okay. So prophecy is a supernatural utterance in a language of the people declaring that which cannot be known by natural means. God gives us things to speak in prophecy. Follow, here's what 1 Corinthians 14 said. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. You know why? You know what Paul, and he taught this. He said, he said, if somebody comes in your church and everybody's speaking in tongues, they think you're a barbarian. They think you've gone off your rocker. That's not what it's all about. Amen? There's a time. Now, now we speak in tongues in this church. But if somebody walked in this room and everybody was speaking in tongues and nobody was speaking English, let me tell you something. They'd probably head out the door. You'd probably say, oh, let me get on out of here. And you would too if you'd never been around it before. So the Paul was trying, they were misusing the gifts in the church and he was giving direction, but he talked about prophecy and he talked about why prophecy is good because people can understand. Uh, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, he told the church at Thessalonica. Let me, let me go quickly. The power gifts, the doing gifts, the gifts of healing. Do you know people can have gifts of healing? Notice it's not gift of healing. It's gifts of healing. There are people that have gifts that for certain things. There are people that have a gift to pray for cancer. There are people that have a gift to pray for heart trouble. Amen. You can have gifts of healing and working of miracles. Now, what's, what's the difference in gifts of healing and the working of miracles? Here's the difference. Healing is a process. Amen? If you've got a sore on your hand and it gets a scab, what's it doing? It's healing. It's healing up. Sometimes, sometimes we pray for healing when we ought to be praying for miracles if we want it done right then because there's also a gift called the working of miracles where something happens. It's a miraculous thing. It's out of the hands of man. It's in the hands of God. You see, I believe sometimes in the gifts of healing that we pray for people and we don't see it overnight. We don't see it right then. But all of a sudden, things start getting better. God's doing the healing. We got to give God credit for that. Take your medicine. It's okay. Go to the doctor. It's okay. But believe in the gifts because the gifts of healing will cause you to get well and cause that bone to go back together and cause that heart to get in rhythm and cause the cancer to flee. I believe that God gives us the gifts of healing, but I also believe that he does miracles among us. I'm not going to the scriptures. I'm going to let you read them because I don't have time. I got eight minutes and there ain't no way I'm going to finish. But, but the, the working of miracles is the instantaneous move of God where all of a sudden a blind eye is open, a deaf ear is open. Somebody gets out of a wheelchair and walks off. That's a miracle. 
How many of you ever seen a miracle? I've seen miracles. Dottie Mac, I remember when you walked up here and God opened your ear up. You remember that? I remember that so very well. Jerry Holland was here. I remember that. So the working of miracles. The, 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 the other doing gift is the gift of faith. I, I want to confess to you, if I had my choice of any gift, it would be the gift of faith. Because in my, in my little feeble way, if I have the gift of faith, I can have the working of miracles. I can have the gifts of healing. I can have tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy. In my little gift of faith, I believe that I just, I, I believe the gift of faith is so very powerful. It's not ordinary faith. It's supernatural faith. It's faith to do things that the ordinary man cannot do. Is everybody with me tonight? I don't want to lose you here because these gifts are so powerful and so important and there's so many things I could say about them. The gift of working of miracles is a supernatural act where God intervenes in the realm of, the, of nature, objects, affairs of men to supersede natural law. That's what it is. This is what happens when God steps out on the bow of the boat, says, peace be still, boom. The water stopped. That's what happens. The working of miracles. The faith is a supernatural faith that possesses divine certainty that whatever is desired shall eventually come to pass. That's supernatural faith. The revelation gifts, the knowing gifts, there's three of them. The discerning of spirits. You probably have, have had God show you things and you didn't label it as discerning of spirits. i I had something happen to me just a few days ago, uh, a couple of weeks ago now. I I just and and I didn't tell anybody. I didn't say anything, but it just hit me. Boom! This is about to happen, and I I didn't say nothing. But you know what? About a week and a half later, it came to pass, and I, then I told my wife. I said, "You're not going to believe this," but I knew. I knew this was about to happen because I, God showed me that. He didn't, he didn't say, grab me by the shirt collar and say, hey, this is going to happen. But in my spirit, I discerned what was about to take place. Amen? You need the discerning of spirits to walk in this world. You need to know the spirits that you're dealing with every day. And the Lord will give you that as a gift to discern spirits. Now, some, sometimes you, it's not hard to discern spirits. You can look at people's lips that stuck out about two inches and realize something's wrong. Amen? I mean, if I see you sobbing in the back of the church and tears are just a floor, I'm pretty sure something's wrong with you. That, that's not a gift of discernment. That's not the discerning of spirits. But discerning of spirits is a supernatural thing. Let me, let me tell you what it, it is. It's a supernatural insight into the secret realm of the spirit, the ability to know the difference between two equally authentic miracles. It, 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 you, you can discern whether somebody's of God or not if you're prayed up. You can discern if a preacher's of God or not. You can discern if somebody has the anointing or not. You can discern. Amen. So let me let me hurry. There's there's another knowing gift, and that is the gift of knowledge. 
the word of knowledge, should I say. God can't give you all his knowledge because if he gave you all his knowledge, your brain would explode. But he can give you a word. He can give you just a word, just a little bit. Here's, here's what the word of knowledge is. The supernatural revelation by the Holy Ghost of certain facts that could be known, that could not be known otherwise. God gives you insight to some things that are happening. And, and when he speaks that to you, it is a word of knowledge. Then there is the word of wisdom. You surely can't take all God's wisdom, but he can give you a word of wisdom. A word of wisdom reveals to man God's sovereign purpose. It is a supernatural revelation of God's divine intelligence and understanding. Now, when do we get a word of knowledge? When we're trying to make a decision. When we're trying, you pray for those gifts. God, give me a word. How many of you have ever prayed, God, give me a word? Give me a word of knowledge. Give me a word. Should, should I do this? Should I buy this? Should I be a part of this? God will give you wisdom, and he will give you knowledge. He will drop just a word in your heart. He may do it by the preaching on Sunday morning. He may do it by the prayer meeting on Wednesday evening. He may do it in foolproof man on Monday. He may do it while you're driving down the road on the way to your work on Friday morning. I can't tell you when it's come, but here's what I know, that it is a gift that God can give you that you will know of a surety God is speaking. And it's a word that, it's a supernatural word. It's a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or discerning of spirits. That's the knowing gifts. So you have knowing gifts and doing gifts and speaking gifts. All of those are found in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. None of them are available without you being baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. Does that make sense? Let's talk about it. I, I could say a whole lot of stuff. Who won't, I know there's, there's, there's all over this room, there's probably people who want to say something. Just make, your, make yourself known right now. Who, who wants to add to or ask a question of anything we've talked about this tonight? Amen. Come on now. Hallelujah. Yes. Right. Right. It comes to pass. No. It's not of God. It's not of God.
As a matter of fact, Brother Gary, the Bible said mark those that cause division among you. That's right. I agree. I agree. That's the gifts of the Spirit at work, Brother Gage. on display. Awesome. Thank you. See, I knew you had it in. That's good stuff right there. That's good stuff. I love this. Anybody else real quick tonight? Real quick. This is great. Any questions tonight? Everybody understand where we are. I wish I had much more time. Please don't miss next Wednesday night and please bring everybody you can with you and tell everybody they need to be here because I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to say a lot of stuff next Wednesday night that we all need to hear, things that I hadn't talked about in a long, long time. But you need, you need to be here. Amen. And we need to all get it down pat. So we've got the armor tonight. we got the gifts of the Spirit tonight. And we're ready for battle tonight. Amen. Stand with me all over this house. Praise God.